What's up, guys? Welcome to the Real Estate Virgins podcast, where we are here to elevate your business, take your business to the next level. We're not agents talking the talk. We are agents walking the walk. We have amazing guests all the time. We also just try to bring as much value as possible. My name is John Michael Perez. You can check me out on Instagram at John Michael Perez. And we've got none under none other than Jordan Brown. What's going on, baby? We are back at Jordan Sells ATX on Instagram. We got a good one lined up for you today. I'm super excited. So we've got a, a teammate that's actually on uh, the Wolfpack, the group that we joined recently within the last few months. And his story is absolutely impressive. It's inspiring. Yeah, yeah, it's absolutely amazing. And we're so excited to share that with you. Um, so when you're listening to this episode, uh, take it to heart, like stop making excuses because there's so many people that have better resources that aren't able to produce any results. And this guy has achieved amazing results. And today we have Harvey Kidiati with the Wolfpack. How you doing, man? How you doing? I'm doing good. I'm doing good. Thanks for having me. That's good. That's good to hear. So you've got an amazing story. Um, you know, I was watching you on Connor's YouTube channel um, and man, I was so impressed. Um, so you are from, you are from how do you pronounce it? The Congo, right? A part of the Congo? Yes. Yeah. That's awesome. Um, and so you moved here, what, 12 years ago, 13 years ago, something like that? Oh, uh, it's going to be nine years this year. Okay. So I moved to the state back in 2015. Wow. So tell, tell us about your upbringing. Like, what do you, you know, tell us about growing up in the Congo. What, what was that like? What do, you know, I can't imagine where you are now having been the, the goal or like, like a, a vision that you could see happening. So tell me like, what was life like growing up and what was the move to America? Like, Oh man, where do I start? Um, <laughs> I was born and raised in Congo. Like we have a big family. I have nine siblings. So growing up, um, I don't, I don't come from like a rich side of the family, uh, per se. So my dad is a working class person, nine, 10 kids and my mom, She's a stay-at-home mom. So my dad was the one to actually go out there, bring the bread at home. And it was it was tough because growing up, if dad doesn't have anything, then we are basically um screwed. But he always made sure we had food on the table, that we went to school and we had an education and all of that. So I am very grateful for that. Like super grateful. All of us went to school, never missed anything. But it was very tough growing up because you only had so much. You didn't have the luxury of having extra. You cannot just go on the street and see your friend's sneakers and come on and say that I want that. You have to, you know, um, know what your limits and what to ask, what not to ask. Mm. But seeing that, I wanted um to do something better with my life. I wanted to work hard like my dad did, but I wanted to do it on a very bigger scale and do it on a smart way to make sure not only I retire my dad but also to make sure that I am setting up the next generation so that my dad could be looking at us and be at peace and knowing that, okay, the next generation is actually set. No one is going to be going through any financial um, struggle. That's what drove my decision of dropping out of school after high school. My parents wanted me to be um, a doctor, so I went to some medical school right after high school. But again, I wanted to do something bigger and being a doctor back in my country, it's uh, it's not much. Like 
at most you can make like five hundred bucks a month or maybe a thousand. Wow. And I didn't see yeah, and I didn't see how that could um that could actually help me get to my goals. Plus there were a bunch of things that happened between my first year and when I finished that made me lose faith in the school system. And um I had to come home after the first year and break my parents' hearts and tell them I was dropping out of school to pursue uh, entrepreneurship full-time in America. But at the time, all I had was a dream and a vision. So there was no clear path on how, number one, I was going to go to America. And number two, what am I going to be doing once I get to America? You have no English, you have no money, you don't know anybody, and you want to be there. So my dad saw that as a, as a foolish dream. I mean, it came from a working class um, type of thing. So being an entrepreneur, full-time entrepreneur, not having a proper job, to him was kind of like throwing your future away. But um, I had to tell them, hey, this is what I want to do and that's where I want to be. Um, you can support me or you cannot support me. I love and respect you, but I am going to go to America regardless. And that's how I ended up here. Wow. And it, I, there's something that you said about losing faith in the school system. And I think there's a, a big misconception, especially like in America, because, you know, colleges are basically for profit. And it's all about like, it doesn't even guarantee that you're going to have a successful path in any career anymore. It's almost like a bachelor's degree is the new, the new high school diploma. And so what I love about your story is your dream, your vision and your ambition was worth more than any degree was going to get you. Definitely. Yeah. I mean, for me, yeah, for me being successful, it's, I mean, I was talking to my lender, uh, he's from Seattle. Um, a few minutes ago, I said, um, when I, when I look at some of my friends, they represent nothing, like nothing else but themselves. Right. It's like, if they don't make it, nothing's going to change. But for me, it was like, if I didn't make it, then my family wasn't going to make any more. So to me, getting to success was much more than just me making it or making money or whatever. It's an entire generation to come. That's basically depending on my success. And that's why when I came to America, I had no other option but to, to be focused, to be disciplined. I never went out in 10 years never been to a club in 10 years. I was basically going to work, come home, sleep and repeat. Yeah. John, John has a, a guy that he is mentored under or looks up to a lot. His name's Ed Milet. And he has uh, a saying that there's always the one and you can be the one in your family that makes radical change, changes trajectory, changes generational curses, things like that. And it sounds like you're that one, which is, it's just such an inspiring, incredible story. I'm curious, what does your dad think of, of your successes, you know, here, here in America after that conversation, it sounds like he was really hesitant and I can imagine like he, he must be just so thrilled and so proud of you. So when I decided, like, you have to know I'm African, right? And in Africa, it's about this culture, like whatever your dad says goes. And um, I grew up with that culture and I've always done whatever my dad wanted me to do. And I understand that that was coming from a place of love because my parents always wanted every single one of the child to succeed. That's why right. um, when I was six years old, 
he sent all of my brothers to the UK because it was like, there is no future for you uh, here in, in the Congo. So with the money he had, he spent all of his savings in 2001 to send three of my brothers in the UK. And he had to restart everything all over again to prepare for the rest of us. And dropping out of school, he was disappointed. Um, he was upset. And um, after that conversation, he never talked to me for seven months. Because oh, wow. Really, yeah, he was really hurt. And he was like, you are really throwing your future um, away because he spent a lot of money for school. Back home, we don't have scholarships. We don't have financial aid. You pay for high school, you pay for elementary school, you pay for everything. And my dad was the only one working. And on top of that, you have books, you have, I was living in a different city. He had to pay for my rent, he had to pay for my food, he had to pay for transportation, he had to pay for, for everything. So wasting all of that money in the trash was really painful, not only to him, but to myself also. But I also understood the sacrifice I had to make to make it was the only option for us. He didn't see that back then because he comes from a working class family. He needs safety, he needs security. But now I came back from a trip to the Congo. We've had uh, this conversation and um, we just laughed about it. I retired my dad um, like a year ago. Yes, so now, wow. that's awesome. That's so amazing, dude. That's so amazing. Yeah, now both of them, they are coming to the States to live with me. That's why um, I bought the land. We are building a big house for all of us to live together. He's, uh, he's very excited. He's, uh, he's really proud. And yeah, that makes me. Wow. That's so, so inspiring. So dude. Over I've got like chills. <laughs> yeah. So overcoming all odds and even your family was saying, hey, we don't want you to do this. And you had so much belief in yourself and traveled across the ocean to a new nation, not really know. You said you didn't really know the language too well when you when you first moved. No, I didn't. I didn't know wow. any English. I mean, the funny thing is, I did not choose the U.S. as my first destination. So when I told my dad I was going to go to America, I wanted to go to Toronto. Until now, always. I mean, people always ask me, "Why did you choose Toronto?" I don't know. I don't <laughs> really know. But for some. <laughs> You're a big <laughs> hockey fan, right? <laughs> no, I don't know. I mean, but I wanted to go to Canada. I wanted to go to Toronto, right? Um, 2011, I dropped out of school. And seven months after, I started the process. And my dad, he had to sell one of his houses to finance my, my crazy dream. Like a dream no one else could see by myself. I couldn't even explain to my friends why I dropped out of school and why I wanted to go to America. Because nobody could, could understand it. But I had a vision in my head. All I needed was to be where, like somewhere, to make that become a reality. And America was for me a uh, destination. So 2011 to 2014, I got denied a visa 14 times. Wow. To, wow. Trying to go to Canada. And every time, my dad would spend money. And then they would say no over, over, and over again. And I am a big, like a huge believer in that to succeed in everything, all I have to do, I just have to try longer enough after everyone else gives up. Because when everyone else gives up, that's when it becomes much easier. So I was like, okay, let's try again. Let's try again. Up until one day, um, one of my dad's friends suggested that, hey, you guys should try 
um, the U.S. And we did it on the first try. I got my visa. I got my visa on a Thursday, May or uh, April the 29th, 2015. I called my dad and I said, hey, I just got my passport from the embassy. Could you please get me a plane ticket on your way home? I'm leaving Congo tomorrow. It was like, you need sometimes to say like goodbye to your friends. We need to spend, I said, dad, I've been here for 21 years. I'm 21 years old. I'm done. Get me a plane ticket that tomorrow I'm leaving. Get me a plane ticket the next day. I was on my way. Wow. That's that's, that's so like, there's people who get denied a con like in conversations, there's agents that get denied like the ability to uh, like, I guess like pitch why they should be a realtor. They get denied once and they give up yeah. or like they get discouraged. You couldn't even get, out like approved for getting out of your situation to begin your dream 14 times and you didn't give up and all it took was the one yes and you said boom i'm running with it and there's too many people that wait for for some reason to go pursue it's like dude all you need is get a you have to have the you know scenario like you had to get approved to get over here but once you get that yes run with it. I think there's a certain level of hunger that you had to have in order to keep moving forward. And I think that that is an extremely important characteristic that you need is a certain level of desire because especially in real estate, I mean, your first year you sold tons of homes. I, I remember seeing an Instagram post about within your first 10 months, I think you sold, uh, what was it? 10? I think it was like well, how many was it? Uh, I think within your first year, correct me if I'm wrong, but you sold somewhere in like 22 homes, something like that. So I got started um, May of May 1st of 2020. And the funny thing is I came to America on May 1st, 2015, and I got into real estate on May 1st of 2022. Wow. I don't know if it's coincidence or if it's just <laughs> something, but to me, that was a sign. Yeah. yeah. And um, my first six months, I sold 11 homes. Ooh. 11 homes wow yeah 11 homes and then last year was my first full year i sold about 35 so awesome so and you awesome. and you joined the brokers that were at uh immediately right that was your first brokerage yeah that was my first move and then um like before i got into real estate my wife was the one who was trying to get into real estate first and i was still working my nine to five and um for some reason she never got a chance to finish the classes and I got to a point where at my job, um, I was I was getting promoted every single year, and with promotion comes more responsibility. Yeah. And I found myself with running the entire company, four hundred fifty employees. I was basically working seven days a week. I missed churches. I missed everything, parties, and like, I was missing out on everything. And I knew I had um I had to change. I had to make a change. I was making well over six figures, but. Remember, I promised my dad I was going to be an entrepreneur when I left Congo. And I found myself working for corporate America. Although in the metrics, I was successful, but deep down, I was not only failing my family, but I was most importantly failing my dad, which is something I couldn't afford. Plus, missing on a lot of things, my son, my wife, and all of that, I was like, okay. I told my wife, I asked my wife, what is it going to take for someone to become an agent? She said, oh, you have to complete um, 90 hours of classes, take the state exam, and why not? Okay, 90 hours? Okay, so if I study 10 hours a day for nine days, I'll be done. She went, oh, people doing like in six months or something. I said, no, the math doesn't make any sense. It's 90 <laughs> hours. You study for 10 days, I mean, for 10 hours, nine, nine, like nine days, 
then you're done. That's the math. It's simple. You say, okay, whatever. So that day I went online. I started to do some research on, okay, when you become a real estate agent, then what next? Okay, I've learned that day you had to end your license somewhere. Okay. Then I started to Google brokerages and all of that. I found a bunch of brokerages and I was like, okay, let me reach out to a few agents who are successful in the business to ask them a few questions before I get started. So I sent maybe 15 or 20 DMs that day to many of the successful agents here in, uh, in Seattle. No one has ever responded to me. And Sean Bautista was the only person that day who responded to me. Then we started talking. It never made me feel like I didn't know anything or whatever. He responded to every single question I had. He even gave me um, guidance. I even have the DM I sent him the first time on my on my Instagram page. I saw that. And yeah. Then um, we started talking and I was like, okay, give me a couple of weeks. I'll come back with my license. He said, no, whatever. So that night I signed up for my real estate classes. I called my boss. I said, hey, can I please take my vacation? He said, oh, yeah, yeah, that's fine. So I took my three weeks vacation. And I locked myself in the room from sun up to sundown every single day for 10 days. Got my classes done, scheduled my exam, passed my test, called Sean. I said, yo, I got my license. Say, oh, you fucking kidding me. Oh, <laughs> no, you're kidding. I had to take a photo of it, send it to him for him to believe that I had it. Then uh, he helped me get started with, uh, with EXP and then it was just a success ever since. Wow. That's amazing. So really, I mean, I just see so many agents get into real estate and they, they don't even start with step one. And I feel like really the major difference between an agent that isn't seeing results and, a, and an agent that is seeing massive results is one, their belief and two, their hunger to achieve something more than what, where they're at. Right. And so right. that's really the success that I'm seeing within your story is, is that you've, you were constantly, how do we get to that next level? And if there's a no, how do we figure out the yes to that? No, you know? I mean, there is always a yes somewhere. You have just to, to find it. And it's it never meant to be easy. Like growing up, I was playing uh, football. You guys call it um, soccer. And I was a big complainer. I would complain over everything, like literally everything. If I lose a game, I'm going to complain. Whatever happens, I'm going to complain. One day I came home, my dad had a bad day at work. And I was complaining to my mom about everything. And my mom... She's the type of people, she will always listen to you and make sure you, like, whatever you are saying, you are feeling like she's always on your side so that, so that you don't feel uh, any type of way. And my dad is always straight to the point. Like, he calls red, red, green, green. He's not anywhere in between. He was listening to me in his office. Then he came out. He said, yo, what are you complaining about? Life doesn't owe you anything at all. The only thing life owes you is an, is an opportunity. Now it's up to you to Oof. do whatever you need to do to get it. If you don't get it, then it's your own fault. Don't blame anyone. Life never meant to be fair. Life never meant to be easy. I was 11 years old. And I was like, oh, dang, I couldn't really understand it. But growing up, that, I mean, that speech always came to my mind. And every time I have people complaining or every time I, I face a challenge, I'm like, okay, Life is not fair. Life is not easy. I have to do what I need to do. It's my responsibility to make sure I find every single way to take on this opportunity. If that means 
I have to call Sean at 11 p.m. at night to ask a question that I don't understand. That's what I need to do. If it's for me to wake up at five in the morning to drive two hours for an inspection that like I did yesterday, then what I, that's what I need to do. So life doesn't own me anything, only an opportunity, and it's up to us to take it. And many people, they take things for granted. They feel like they are entitled to things, right? I was talking to an agent the other day. Um, she called me up and she was like, oh man, uh, how am I going to be able to get this, to do that? And the only question I asked her, what are the daily activities you are doing and what your schedule look like? Then she was like, okay, I'm, I'm, I'm doing this. I was like, okay, how many times are you doing it? So I tried to do an open house a couple of times. I had no success. Then I was like, it's not really working. I've been in real estate for almost two years and I host at least five open houses every single weekend. Doesn't mean I'm gonna be closing deals every single weekend, but I gotta show up. I post on my social media every single day. That doesn't mean I'm gonna get leads with everything I have to be posting, but I have to do it anyway. I reach out to people on Facebook every single day. I need to talk to at least 20 people on Facebook, DM them every single day, add them. And I need to make phone calls every single day, regardless of how I feel, what people think, or how's my day going? These are the non-negotiable. Then she was like, I don't want to post on social media because people will think bad of me. Then you are not going to do any business, right? You, you are trying to find excuses for what you, I mean, for why you are not getting results. But when we are telling you what you need to be doing, then it's an issue. That's what most agents don't really get. They're, they are entitled, they take everything from credit, and they feel like life owes them anything. Man. Yeah, we, we just had a team meeting today and we actually recorded another episode yesterday that you touched on a few points that I want to kind of expound upon here is you said life doesn't owe you anything. And I noticed that your success is not by accident. It's by design. You have a very intentional schedule of your non-negotiable items that lead to lead to real estate activities, right? You're reaching out to people. You're having real estate conversations. You're present on social media. You're hosting open houses, multiple open houses every weekend. These things are delayed gratification, right? N not every video you post results in a direct lead. Not all the time does every video lead directly to a closing, but there's a compound effect of your, uh, your, you taking up space on people's minds in person at open houses on conversations. And there's a lot of realtors on the sidelines wondering why they don't have success. But then just like you did, you ask someone their schedule, what are you doing on a daily basis to go get the business? And it's nothing. And if you can't be, you know, we talk about if, if you're sitting there mad that your results aren't happening, you're probably not taking any action. And, uh, is, uh, is really huge. I'm a big believer. I'm a Christian, by the way, and I do believe in if I do whatever I, I have to do without making any excuses, God will provide the rest. I have a funny story. When I got licensed, I was um, talking to people. So I got my first deal three days after EXP picked up my license. I got, that's why I got my first deal. But that deal came from a, a, like a guy I was talking to when I was taking my classes. I was like, okay, man. I am starting to be a real estate agent. If you want to buy a house, whatever, um, I'll be able to happy to work with you. Then he was like, oh, man, yeah, we are actually on the market looking for a house. I said, please don't call any agent. I want to work with you. I promise you, you give me 20 days, I'm going to have my license. 
Then it was, it was like, okay, 20 days. Got my license after 17 days, call him up. And I, I had to call him and I say, hey man, I have my clients, how can I get them the house? Then he was like, you need to get them pre-approved. Who's the lender? He sent me like lender's information. So I got those people pre-approved and we had we had scheduled to go see houses. And I never knew you need to have a e key to open up the door. That detail never it never crossed any conversation between me and Sean. So the day came, that was on a Friday. I was like, okay, we have to go see those houses today at 5 p.m. Well, wait a minute, where is the key? How, how are we gonna get into that? Then I called Sean and say, yo, I have this showing today. Where can I get the key to open the door? Then he said, you use your e-key, your super, your super key. I said, what's that? He said, did you ever sign up for that? I said, no, I did not. He was like, okay, call, call them right now. Call them. They said, okay, we are going to activate your super key, but it's going to be available to you the next business day, which was Monday. And remember, this was my first ever client. And um, I called him and I said, man, I, I cannot get it. Then he sent a message on a group text if, if anyone was available to, um, to help me out. And it was summertime. Most people were really busy. I had calls from all of my friends in the group. They called me, man, I can, I can help you, but I have these showings, I have this, I have that. 3 p.m. comes. I had two options. Cancel the appointment and reschedule it for Monday. But that was going to come with a huge risk because remember, those clients waited for me to be licensed. And now if I cannot show up to show them the house, they'll be like, he's just a rookie. He doesn't know what he's doing. Or do it anyway and find a way to do it. 4 p.m. came, I had no solution. I called Sean, I said, bro, I'm going to go show this, this house. Did you get the key? No. Did you find someone to help you? I said, no. I got into my car that day. I told God, I said, um, I don't have any key to open this door, but what I can control is me driving to that house. The rest, it's up to you. I am going to show up anyway. So I drove 35 minutes to that house. And when I was driving, I was listening to um, Steve Harvey. He has um, this speech called, you have not cause you ask not. I was listening to that driving to the house. Got there 30 minutes earlier, and there was a Keller Williams agent that had a showing before me. And my clients were on the way. They texted me, okay, we are on the way. We should be there at 5 p.m. I said, fine, I'm already here waiting for you. That guy went in, showed the house. When he was coming out, I went up to him and I was honest. I said, bro, I just got licensed. I had no idea I had to add a super kit to open the door. I'm a rookie. But I need you to help me out. My clients are coming out and I have nowhere to show the house. He said, Oh, no, that's not the problem. It's fine. I'll, I'll wait for them. He waited 20 minutes for my client to come. He opened the door for me. We showed the house. We never made an offer on the house. But the next week, we had a contract, got under contract. That's how I closed on my first deal. In two from weeks? That first deal, yes. Wow. Two weeks. And from that first deal, I had my second deal because the day I had to deliver the keys to my clients, the family came and the cousin wanted to also buy a house. That's how I got my second client. But think about it. What if I made an excuse that day? I don't have the key. Let me just reschedule. 
I would have never got my, my second deal anyway. There's a lot of many, many decisions that, that led to the, the result that you wanted. wanted. And I love that you said, like, I don't have a way to get into this house. I'm going to show this house. <laughs> and it and it's amazing that, like, the, man, like, through circumstance, through God, whatever, whatever power at B was working with you that day, it's incredible that that timing and that agent, what a wonderful thing for them to do because – it's it's also on them, right? Like if I if if my record is on here and something happens, like there it could go back on me. But and and they were so cool to to stay and, and make it happen. Like you said, you didn't make the offer right then and there, but you got a contract the next week. And man, what a, what a great testament to like I'm gonna figure this out. And yeah. yeah, I mean to me, that's how I, I tell every every single person. Like what it is in life in business. You can only control what you can control. There are things we cannot we cannot control, and these things we cannot really stress over them. But what I had to do that day, drove to the house, and just show up. That that was that was my only task, to show up, and I, I did it. And many people they always complain about not doing things, but when you ask them about the stuff they were supposed to do prior to doing those things, they don't even complete those. That's yeah. when the issue comes in the business. Yeah. yeah. And I think that, you know, you're throughout your story. I know I keep saying this, but your belief is at an astronomical level level. It's so high as compared to just the average person. And I think that's why you're continually seeing results. Uh, so I, I don't know if you know this, but we actually work really closely with Sum and Kim. He lives right down the road. From, yeah. He lives right down the road from us. Yeah. Yeah. And one of the things he was teaching our team uh, when we were having a meetup a couple weeks ago was is when he first started, his amount of belief was out of this world. Right. He believed in himself so much in order to achieve those results. And he was sharing something that was really helpful for me and a lot of people in the entrepreneurial world. Sometimes they, they may have heard this as well. But he said there is a bear method. It's B.E.A.R. Bear. And the B is for belief, right? And that's everything starts with how much belief you have, how much you can believe in yourself. E is for energy. I think right? it's excitement. Is it excitement? I think it's no. excitement. I think it's excitement. No, it's energy. It's for sure it's energy. I'm gonna check you on okay. this. Yeah. You keep going, but I'm gonna check you. Well, it's similar to excitement, but E is for energy, right? And so the belief goes into how much energy you have to go out there. Like you went to that house, you had that belief, and you uh you had energy to go out there. Jordan's about to tell tell everyone I that, was wrong. that I was right. I was wrong. Um, <laughs> and then A is action, right? And so from that energy turns into action, and then action turns into results. And so this, you're a prime example of having a, a very high level of belief and then getting those results. And that's just so awesome to hear. And it works in reverse as well, where if you're not achieving the results that you want, you're probably not taking enough action. If you're not taking enough action, you're probably don't have the energy because you don't have the belief yep. in yourself to make it happen. So you can kind of trace it back to where, like, where am I lacking in my business? You know, am, am I not taking, a if I'm not taking action, there's something wrong with like me feeling like I can go out and do this, whether it's rooted in, in your energy, which is stemmed from your belief. It's, it's all just one big cycle. And your belief was so big in yourself 
that those other steps came so naturally. You're willing to do the work already. The biggest thing was you believed so, so big in your dreams that nothing was going to stop you. And just kudos to you. It's very funny to see how many real estate agents want other people to believe in themselves when they don't want to, when they don't even believe in themselves, right? It's like for someone to believe in you, you have to first believe in us because we are in the service business. How am I going to trust you on this big purchase if you don't even trust yourself? And to me, trusting yourself comes in, comes in being committed to yourself. And people are only committed to people who are committed to themselves. Like if I said I was going to do an open house tomorrow and then I have this bad headache and like I'm just, oh, okay, I'm not going to do it. Right? I'm not really staying true to myself, to not being able to do the open house. That means I don't even trust myself enough to be able to do it. And how am I going to expect somebody to believe in me in this transaction? And I like that you said um, it's belief energy because sales to me, it's an interior type of thing. And the energy we have within, people will see it. And when you have a bad energy, no one wants to be around you. No one wants to do business with you. So you have to have this like massive energy within yourself first before you can ask anybody to, to do business with you. I'd love to, if for what you're willing to share with us, because with our listeners, we have a variety of people in leadership roles. We have new, you know, newer agents. We have agents looking to scale their business. You've had such an explosive growth within your first couple of years. Would you mind walking us through what a typical day or week looks like for you? Like, what are the real estate activities that are leading to these results that you're getting? It's funny that you mentioned Sumim Kim because um, it was a huge part of my philosophy. Now, when I got started, just like any other agent, I was learning from my mentors. But at the same time, I was kind of lost because I've never done any type of sales business in the past, right? Um, am I going to be a listing agent? Am I going to be a buyer's agent? Am I going to be selling in Seattle, in Bellevue? Where am I going to be selling? Then one day, um, Scott sent me an interview Sumim did with um, Champion School of Real Estate, I believe. Yes. Yeah. And it's a, it's a 51 minute interview, I believe. And I listened to that more than 100 times already. And every time I listen to that interview, I break it down minute by minute to really understand what it is. Because if this guy's talk is selling 50 plus million a year, he knows something 90% of agents in the entire nation don't know. And if he's talking for 51 minutes, I can I, I have to download those 50 minutes and listen to that as my podcast every single day. And at the end of the interview, he said, most people feel lost because they are everywhere. You have to find a niche that works well for you and double down on that niche. That, that was the day where I decided to only focus on first-time home buyers in the beginning to start with. Then I picked my market. I was like, okay, I am not going to stay beyond Renton and I am not going to stay beyond Pialop. From Renton to Pialop, this is my market. I am only going to do open houses here. I am only going to learn this specific market. Whatever happens outside of that, it's none of my business. So in the beginning, that was my focus. Hosting open houses within um, that market and I was only sharing stuff about that market trying to learn as much as I could to become an expert in the market. 
to where now that every single listing agent in that market knows now who I am because I wanted to niche down to first-time home buyer. That's how I got started. So now I'm expanding more into um, listings and buyers and everything. And what I do on a daily basis, it's prospecting, prospecting, and prospecting. I wake up at 4.30. Wake up at 4.30, I have to be at the gym at 5 o'clock every single day, except for Saturday because the gym opens at 8. Go to the gym at 5. By 7, I'm back home, shower, have my breakfast, and 7.30 to 8. From 7.30 to 11, I need to prospect. And my prospecting consists of calling all the expires from previous day, calling all new Facebook, and following up on every single person I left messages to the day before. And then after I get those out of the way, then I need to talk to new people. And talking to new people, I usually like to do out of Facebook outreach. I would DM people on Facebook, usually the people that accepted me as uh, as friends, like all these new friends on Facebook. I'm going to send them a thank you message and introduce myself as a, as a local real estate agent if they need any real estate help. And then 11 to noon, that's when I'm going to either have my lunch. And at the same time, that's also when I post on Instagram. Then one o'clock, I'm on the phone with my lenders. I need to understand every single thing that's happening with my life deals. Every contract I have, what's happening, any outstanding thing that I need to know of, anything that's going to prevent us from closing, whatever the case is, I do that from one o'clock to two o'clock and then three o'clock to seven. That's when I take my consultation. It's either if I have a showing to do, if I have to meet up with a new client, whatever the case is, that's when I do it. And if I don't have any consultation, if I don't have any showings, then I'm going to do more follow. I mean, more, more prospecting, cold calling. You know what I love about your schedule and having a designated consultation time is that makes it to where your prospecting happens every single day, no matter what, because you're not allowing something like a, like a, Hey, like let's meet up and, and buy or talk about buying. Great. I'm available three to 7 PM all week. You now have a dedicated space where you can, you've now created a, a time block that you can dedicate for those things as opposed to great. Like you want to meet tomorrow morning and now you're pushing your prospecting to, to later on, or you're like breaking routine and who knows what else pops up throughout the day. So I love that you've got that dedicated time set. And then what happens is whenever I have a showing before my showing time, I will never do it. I will send somebody else to do it for me. Never did any showing before noon, regardless of who that is. That's what I also tell my people and my clients on the buyer's consultation. I lay down all my, like all my process and they, they expect me to do those things. And outside of those windows, they will have somebody else to do it with them. This is coming from, from someone who used to sell SIM cards in the Congo. You were making $7 a day profit. And now you're retiring your dad like that in your parents is, is that's amazing, man. This is probably one of the most impressive stories I've ever heard. And, uh, that was also during the time I was in the process of going to Canada, like seeing my dad selling one of his houses to finance my trip. I was like, man, I need to do something to at least bring something to the table to contribute. Then I call up my buddy. Um, I said, bro, what could we do? 
to start making money in. There is no job in Congo, right? Like more than 90 people are, 90% of people are jobless. 90? Then, wow. What'd you say, yeah. 90%? Yes. Wow. Yeah, especially the youth. There is there is no option for you, like other than doing some um, side hustles and stuff. Then we had somebody that was working for a telecommunication company. He called that person up and he was like, okay, if you guys could sell SIM cards, then I can hire you. But the, the, the deal was, he would give us SIM cards to sell. And uh, for example, he said, okay, I want $1 per SIM card. It doesn't matter how much you sell those SIM cards for. Whatever extra, that's your profit. We didn't have a salary. So our job wow. was to go out and to sell those SIM cards for more than the price it fixed. And whatever extra, that was what we, we were going to get paid. And whatever extra at the end of the month, you're going to calculate that. And we had to give me a card also from that. So in Congo, it's hard. And we used to do that every single day. And making $7 that we had to split between me and my friend. And some days, we had nothing to sell because there was no sale, no money to bring home. And we did that for about two years. Two years. Wow. Yeah. Wow. And the crazy thing was, it's like you are selling T-Mobile cards to people who are already using T-Mobile. And our job was to persuade those people to buy second number. That was it. <laughs> wow. That's amazing. Yeah. So, so I have a question. So what would you say to someone who says, you know what? I don't, I don't want to prospect, right? Like what, what can you encourage people with, right? Your story is super inspiring. It's, it's proof in your business that that's a way to make money and to get a career going. Is, is it more of like a mental thing? Like how do you prep yourself for your prospecting throughout, throughout your days? For me, it's very simple because I, I come from a background that actually allow me to do it in the sense of, I know if I don't prospect, I won't have any lead. If I don't have any lead, I won't have any closing. If I don't close on any deal, I won't have any income. And if I don't have any income, I wouldn't be able to put my family in the situation I want to put them in. So for me, it's like, if I don't prospect, my family wouldn't eat. Yeah. So I wake up every single morning with that mindset. So I have no other option but to do it. But for the people who are not in my situation, it's like, it's either you want to be successful or you don't. There is no middle. Like, I, I'm always direct with my with my um friends and my agents and my, my organization. I'm just like my dad. You have to be straight to the point. Either you want to be successful or you don't. Because real estate, it's it's the toughest gig every anyone could ever do. And you have to be disciplined enough and you have to know why you put yourself in this business in the first place. Regardless of or the reason you put yourself in this business for one reason. Think of that reason. If you are not going to be successful, what's going to happen for that reason that got you into this in the first place? And you don't prospect, you don't eat. It's simple as that. Yeah, it's a great, great way to, if you have, you know, you had no sphere of influence when you moved here. So it's like, I have to prospect. I have to find people that are wanting to do real estate transactions. And you know, in Austin, where we're at, there's 19 plus thousand people with their license. So if you're waiting for someone to just find you online or and decide to want to work with you as opposed to one of the other 19,000 options out there, it's probably not going to happen. 
you've got to go out and go get that business. For out there, because the competition is uh is crazy out here. Like it's very like I, I am in a very tough market. Seattle is very competitive. You have all these great agents here that you have to compete with. So now how do you differentiate yourself from the crowd? And it's all in the small details that we you have to be doing on a very on a on a very every single day on a daily basis. And now your result will come from your action, and your action will come from the very small task that you are not actually doing. I posted something a while back. I said, for real estate agent, your success is in the activities that you don't want to do. People don't want to do open houses. People don't want to do cold calling. People don't want to follow up with anyone. I had a, an agent that asked me, oh, I have this lead that I talked to and they ghosted me and um, I don't feel like I'm, I'm going to call them because it's going to make me feel like I am desperate. I said, come on, what are you talking about, right? I asked her the question, how many times when you go to a restaurant and the waitress comes to you and asks you, are you ready to order your food? How many times do you say, yes, I'm ready on the first try? You'll be like, I need 10 minutes. And then, then the waitress will come back 10 minutes later. Hey, are you ready yet? Oh, no, no, give me another 10 minutes. But how would you expect somebody to make a decision on half a million or $900,000 purchase on the first call? It's never going to happen. You have to become the ideal prospect that you would like your clients to become, right? And you have to give them the time and the space to think about it. Call them. I call, I send text messages every Wednesday to my, uh, to my leads. I call them every Friday and I send emails every Sunday. Every single week I have to do it until they either say, yes, I'm going to buy or you have to back off. Yeah. If they don't tell me, neither one of the two, I will keep on doing it every single week. It's just the same. It's I, I use the same a very similar story. You know, if my son is one years old and he's not walking yet, I'm not gonna give up on him uh to to learn how to walk, right? It's just we're gonna continuously try to get him to walk, right? And so uh, it's gonna happen eventually. And but I'm not gonna give up on him walking, you know? Too, too many agents sell on our timeline, which is hey, we're available right now, so clearly you should buy right now. But it's not about us. We're not the ones making the the purchasing decision yeah. and have to live with this really uh, consequential decision. Yeah. It's it's our clients. And so your client's timing is infinitely more important than your availability and when you want to get things done because it's not about us. All about the clients and you have to become the ideal clients that you want to have. And just remember, I was telling that agent, okay, these people are going to buy. If it's either now or in two years, or in three years, or in five years, they are going to either buy with you or with somebody. They are eventually going to buy a house in the future. They are going to buy a house with, with someone who's going to be working with them, talking to them, building relationship with them over a long period of time. Yeah. yeah. And I, I had a meeting yesterday with, uh, with my group, and I told them they were afraid um, to go after listings. I said, okay, every listing I have, when I have this listing, I have one thing in my mind that I'm telling to myself, okay, this client gave me this listing and this client is an agent's client who never follow up with that person over the course of that. Like they bought this house 10 years ago and the agent never kept in touch with them. So now I got this listing because they never follow up with those people. 
Yeah. Every time you don't follow up with somebody, they are going to buy or sell with somebody else. You have to just keep in touch with them. And for me, I will call you every Wednesday. I will text you every Friday. I will send you an email every Sunday until you tell me yes or fuck off. Yeah. yeah. So, so you said you, you call, call on Wednesday, Wednesday you, you text, text on, on Friday, Friday, and you email on Sunday. Sunday. Yeah, I text on Wednesday, I call on Friday, I email every Sunday night. That's, That's awesome. awesome. So, you so you got, got three, three touches, touches with, with everyone one of your prospects, prospects every, every single, single week. week. Every single person, every single week. Yeah. yeah. There's, There's a, lot a lot of people, people who they, they, they message them once, once they, they don't get a response back. back. They, 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 they let three weeks go by and then they wonder where that person went. Yeah, I'm thinking about some leads that we have that we maybe need to go back and call. Absolutely. What's cool is you had mentioned, you know, they're going to buy at some point. And no, not enough, enough agents think, think you, know, you know, hey, hey whether, whether it's, it's now, a year, two years, five years, years I, need I need money, money then, then too. Like, like I, need, I, need, I need sales two years, years from now, three years, years from now. now. It's, it's more than, than just about, about the right, right now. now. Too, 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 too many, many agents, agents think, think too small, small and their, their timeline is too, too, too crunched in and honed in on like the next month. Like, man, I got my dues coming up. I need to close right now. Like, Okay, okay, cool. But like, like your clients, clients may not need a closing, closing right now. <laughs> so, so like, just service them at a high level. level. Don't, Don't make them feel pressured by your, you know, your outside circumstances, and just service them. And they'll respect you for that. They'll refer business because of that, and because you put their priorities above yours. Definitely. I mean, it's also because many agents are. There's, there's stories I'm thinking of right now of agents who have been like, man, this person used someone else and you know, they were initially talked to me, but they didn't do a deal with me. There's probably something in your follow-up game that led to them not working with you. I think about the credit score problem where that's a very, you know, it's more common than a lot of people think people need to work on credit. They don't, they don't think about that when they're going to buy a home, especially first time home buyers. They don't know how important that aspect is. So when they come to you with this issue, many agents are going to go, oh, they've got a 490 credit score. I'm, I, I can't help you. No, it's just, I can't help you buy a house right now, but let's get you in shape and on a plan, like you said, to get you that house. Now you're a solution provider. You're not an order taker. You're a solutions provider. Right. Because most of the, like most of the time, people who are buying homes for the first time, they don't know much about real estate. 
And in most cases, they have little to no education when it comes to finances, when it comes to savings, when it comes to credit score, when it comes to job like jobs and all of that. So now they trust us to be professionals and to be a professional real estate agent, we shouldn't just be writing contracts. We should be helping people to understand what are the consequences of the actions or the decisions we are making now, right? If you have pre-credit card that you maxed out and you don't pay them off, of course it's gonna ruin your credit score, right? So now you have to make sure you pay down your credit card for you to be in a better position when it comes to having a good credit score. And people yeah. don't really teach people that. And when I bring a client to my lender and that person had uh, has like a bad credit score, we have a team with my lender's office that can build up a plan for them on yeah. what they need to be doing to raise the credit score to maybe this level or whatever and what, what the time frame. It could be six months, could be one year, could be three months, could be two weeks. So once we have the plan, now, okay, if we get you to this credit score for you to get the house, you need to work on this. Maybe you need some savings for the down payment or maybe you need to stay at your job for two years or maybe increase your hours at the job. Whatever the case is, we are going to build a plan for you. Now it's your job to work on it, but I'm going to have a checkpoint, like checkpoint with you, maybe every couple of months or every couple of weeks, whatever. The, if it's a two-year plan, maybe I'm going to call you every quarter so we can see exactly where you are. And from there, we are, we are going to work with you to, be, uh, to make sure you get a house and be happy. And many agents, they want the check now. And once they don't have the check, then they can help someone. So yeah. there's, there's a lot of... Yeah, there's a lot of, I love what you said, where it's real estate agents should not just be writing contracts, right? We There's so much more to the the buy and sell process. Otherwise, like there would be a program that would replace us, right? There's, there's reasons why our expertise is needed in this industry. It's to understand people's situation, create plans for them that align with their goals on their timelines. And the agent that can master that is, is successful. The ones who do that and also don't quit on their prospecting, they do their non-negotiables every single day, every single week, no excuses, they go out and get the business. And you you embody that, man. Hey, Harvey, uh, okay, go ahead, go ahead. Uh, I forgot what I was gonna say. What were you gonna say? <laughs> I was going to say um, it's, uh, it's not easy, it takes a lot of time. And um, people don't also understand, like real estate agent, they don't understand the law of averages, right? They feel like with every single person, with every single lead, with every single prospect they are talking to, it has to end up in a close, like a close transaction. No, yeah. it's a, it's a numbers game. And I asked somebody like three or four months ago, you know, in a meeting, okay, where's your metrics? You closed five deals last year. How many people did 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 you talk to last year? They didn't know. How many people do you talk to every month, every quarter, every week, every day? So how do you know you need to talk to X amount of people to close X amount of deals, right? Last year, I was, on average, I was talking to 600 people every single month to close five deals. Wow. Right? So now I understood, okay, with every 100 people I'm talking to, I am closing one deal. But if I keep on doing this over and over and over again, getting better and better and better again, getting the experience that I need, building my skill set, Maybe that number could go down to 70 at some point. Maybe that number could go down to 50. Maybe that number could go down to, to 40. And 
I don't get emotional if somebody tells me no. I just know it's a numbers game. It's a lot of averages. I need to talk to 100 people to close one deal. You tell me no, it's fine. I'm moving to the next one. But agent, they get so stuck with one person. Once they get that no, they will keep on bagging that person. They forget the next person is in line. Go to the next person and move on. Yeah. Yeah. Harvey, um, real quick, uh, for the agent that is just now getting started, I know you're, you know, a few years in, but you had an explosive first year. Uh, what would you tell that agent that's just now getting started and they want to achieve the same results that you have? The first thing I would tell them is they have to be ready to understand it's going to be hard. There will be times where they would not feel like doing the thing, the work. And there will be time where like every single person's story is different. I closed on my first deal like a month in when I got started, but some people could be much longer, right? You have to make sure you do the daily activities. You have to prospect. You have to build relationship with people in every way possible. If it's for you to sit up in houses every single weekend or every single day of the week, if you don't have any other, any other job, then do it. If it's for you to cold call, people every single day of the of the week then do it but the name of the game is building relationship that's what equal to um to prospecting so they have to be ready to be building relationship every single day and to understand it is going to be hard yeah too many people think this, uh, you know, HGTV has done a really good job of glamorizing, you know, su selling sunset. Like this is how every real estate agent's journey goes. And it's actually a lot of work. And you said real estate's one of the hardest entrepreneurial journeys you will ever take. And I think that resonates so true. And um, my last question that I have for you is you're, you said that you're in the Seattle market. What is it that you're seeing? You know, a lot of times people hear us talk and we're talking just from our, our local central Texas perspective. What are you seeing in your market? Oh man, it's been crazy. The last, um, the last few weeks we had, um, like a very, like very quick market shift. So in December, the market was very slow. Homes were sitting on the markets. People were not really actively um buying but now adding into this year it's been like this this quick we we have homes getting 17 to 43 offers and um wow like, it's uh it's very hot and it's it's very very competitive so wow. and that's even better because that gives us um a lot of opportunities because if if people are buying a lot that shows also um owners that hey we can list our houses now and that gives us like more opportunities to go out in and talk to them. Yeah. Well, how encouraging is it to, to say, Hey, like houses are selling quickly now. So if you prospect and you find listings, boom, there's your business. People are buying right now. What more motivation do you need? Yeah. I, I have a listing closing next week. Once I had that listing, I did um, a few open houses at that listing and I had multiple offers also. Then when, once I went pending, the next day, I went to this to the neighborhood. I talked to a few neighbors. I said, "Hey, I just had this listing, and then we 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 receive uh, multiple offers, which means people are looking to buy in this neighborhood." Yeah. Um, from that, that got me a few conversations. No listings in the neighborhood yet, but I have great contacts in that neighborhood. That's a fantastic opportunity. I'm glad you brought that up. About you had a listing, it went under contract super quick. 
And a lot of people, they, they're super happy with that, as you should be. And then they, they're like, oh, the job's done. You saw more opportunity. You said, I need to go tell all these neighbors what just happened when I listed their house. And now you're, you're, further, you're furthering your reach within that neighborhood and coming with real relevant data. I'm selling your most recent comp. Like, let me talk to you. Me, I am very happy when I have a like a listing closing or a buyer closing, but I don't celebrate my wins for more than twenty four hours, and I don't cry over my losses for more than twenty four hours. That that just me. And whenever I'm under contract, when I send like the minute I send it to my TC, I forget about that deal. I need to go to the next one. That's that's how I am. That's I love it, man. Uh, Harvey, this story is absolutely impressive. Um, you, you know, the, everything you've done is just so, uh, astonishing in, uh, your belief, your no excuse mindset and, and you having an amazing mission is just, uh, so inspiring because I know that there's a lot of agents out there that are especially listening right now that are, are just trying to get into the right mindset and your story hopefully is the uh, the the changing point in their lives. So we really appreciate you being on this podcast. Oh, thank you for having me. I really appreciate yeah. it. Yeah. yeah. So Jordan, you want to go ahead and wrap it up? Yeah. Hey guys, thank you so much for listening. If you found any of this valuable here today, go ahead, give us a like, subscribe. And if you're feeling generous, a free way to support the podcast is give us a five-star rating on whatever platform you're listening. Thank you again so, so much for listening to the Real Estate Virgins podcast. We'll catch you guys in the next one.